cool. So should we uh, recap what we did last time? I can maybe summarize in case you didn't listen what we were talking about. Um, it was an animated GIF that was posted on Reddit asking essentially how it worked. And it showed a cylinder of water, maybe like a foot tall, um, maybe like the size of a like cross-section area of a quarter, maybe a little bigger than that. And then inside was an hourglass, just like a normal sand hourglass. And it started with the hourglass at the top with all the sand in the bottom half of the hourglass. That's how the, the image started. And then it, the cylinder was flipped over, putting the hourglass on the bottom. And it stayed on the bottom for a little while until a certain amount of sand poured into the bottom half of the hourglass, which um, was empty after being flipped over. And then all of a sudden, the hourglass started to float up to the top. So um, the question was, was, how does that work? Like, what's happening? So last episode, we spent a good deal of time trying to figure it out and basically arrived at what I thought was kind of an unsatisfactory answer that it was getting stuck on the sides of the cylinder of water, whatever was holding the water, because basically the the empty half being on the bottom causes the hourglass to want to flip over so that the heavier sand half is on the bottom as it was at the start of the GIF. And that like wanting to flip over leads to a torque which kind of wedges the hourglass up against the sides and prevents it from floating up until there's a point where there's not as much torque and it's not pushing against the side of the hour of the side of the the cylinder of water at which point it would it would be able to float up because it's not pressing against the sides so that that was my kind of reading of what happened and then zach what did you so try to surmise well so the question I, I wanted to answer is that, you know, I just said, let me try modeling this first as a simpler case and then building up to the, the this actual hourglass thing. So I said, I'm going to start with like what would happen to two separate cans or two separate you know buckets or something in water submerged. But the only thing that's like linking them together is the mass that's in them. So you can only transfer mass from one bucket to the other bucket and that's that's it and then so when you do that you know what happens essentially was the question i was wondering and that led us down this this rabbit hole that that you know essentially led us to an intuitively wrong answer and you know it's good that it was intuitively wrong because our answer was wrong or well my answer was wrong um essentially the the thing that was wrong with it is it it seemed to say that uh, as mass moved from one the top to the bottom, uh, that you would have the net force, meaning the force on both cans, would change. It would go from you know like a a down force to an up force. But you know Newton Newton's laws kind of say like, well, we can just treat everything as a point, and if we treat both cans as a point, then. It, it shouldn't matter where you know that we're moving the mass back and forth. It's it, it the force, the net force is going to be the same no matter what. And and that that's what was intuitively wrong is that we said the net force is changing just because we're moving mass between the system, but it shouldn't change on the whole system. So something was was wrong there. And then I bit went back and did more math and yeah showed that okay that was uh, totally wrong. Uh, we ended up with just some some a math circle. Uh, but, (laughs) but I, 
I went ahead and like wrote a little sim- made a simulation that uh, we're gonna post that you can check out of this system and kind of describing what happens with it. But I, I wanted to then know once once we said okay, like this is a fruitless path. I wanted to know okay, well let me look at the real system. You know a a object, you know two two containers attached together, so their forces um, interact with each other. You know, so the bottom can will push on the top or, and the or the bottom half of the hourglass will push on the top half and the top half will pull down on the bottom or some combination of that. There's a force interacting between the two now. And once you do that, you get right back to the the, the great equation, you know, F equals MA, where it doesn't matter where the mass is in the system. The force is the force. And, and that's good. That's what we ended up with. And yeah, so that so I, I think that leads us to say then your answer has to be the, the right one. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I tried working out the, you know, from Newton's law, if we considered two separate halves um, and had some restriction on the, the way the math, the masses worked together, they had to always add up to the same amount. And I always just came back to the fact that you should treat it as one object. It doesn't matter if it's one half and another half. If the entire object's density is less than the water, it'll float just like you'd expect. And if the entire object's density is greater than the water, then it'll sink just like you'd expect. So um, there was no way to separate them out and say like, oh, and there's you know 80% sand in the bottom, then it floats versus um, um less than 80% or something. There wasn't some turning point where it would change from being able to sink to being able to float. It just didn't happen. There is no, no way to find that. So, yeah. So, uh, it turns out actually, so I looked into it a little bit that this is, um, a Martin Gardner puzzle. Um, and, uh, I don't know too much about Martin Gardner other than he's pretty famous for writing puzzles for, I think it was scientific American. Okay. Huh. Where he had like a lot of like matchstick puzzles. He's a mathematician. Uh, I have his Wikipedia open right here. I won't read you too much from it, but yeah, he was a mathematician and he wrote essentially a lot of these puzzles for. It says okay for twenty five years he was coming up with like mathematical games and stuff. So so it's kind of famous these puzzles. And so he wrote this in a book that he wrote called Mathematical Carnival. It's on Mathematical page. Carnival. Yeah. <laughs> There's a famous physics book of puzzles called The Flying Circus of Physics. I don't know which one was first or second. I think he might have wrote that one too, I wonder. Oh, really? Or maybe not Flying I thought he did have another circus-related one too. Um, But essentially, this book is on... uh, You can borrow it from archive.org, which is a, a free library online. It's on page 174. It shows a picture of it. And describes what's going on. You can also look up the GIF, but uh, the answer's in there. And uh, here I can just read you, you know, what he said. He said, uh, when the sand is at the top of the hourglass, a high center of gravity tips the hourglass to one side. The resulting friction against the side of the cylinder is sufficient to keep it at the bottom of the cylinder. After enough sand has flowed down to make the hourglass, or after enough sand has flowed down to make the hourglass upright, the loss of friction enables it to rise. Um, and then it also goes on to say, you can actually do this in reverse. You can have it sink. Um, you know, so, so it starts off at the bottom, the hourglass does. And when mm-hmm. you flip it, it can, it'll sink. 
Oh, I see. Some period yeah. Of time. Just so right. what all that matters is, is the, you know, is the density slightly higher, or slightly lower than water. Right. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. I'm curious if he just like came up with this puzzle in his head. Cause I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust the physics enough to just say like, Oh yeah, this is clearly going to happen if you design an hourglass in a tube like this way, or did he see it somewhere well, so, and then write the puzzle out? So, uh, um, he build it. He actually says in here, uh, let me see if I can find it. Um, shops in Paris carry this toy, um, both versions of it. And in a combined version where it has both cylinders in it. Um, and it says the toy was said to have been invented by a Czechoslovakian glass blower uh, who makes them in a shop just outside Paris and is usually more puzzling to physicists than other people. Got it. Uh, yeah. Cause I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just like imagine this thing and then be like, Oh yeah, that's clearly what's going to happen. Like without actually, like I would have expected the thing to have been built first and then the puzzle written out afterwards. Yeah. So that makes me feel better. Yeah. 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 So it sounds like someone built it and there's another paper referenced in there called the weight of an hourglass by Walter P. Reed in the American journal of physics, volume 35, April, 1967 pages 351 through 52. If you want to read a paper on it. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Um, just to add a little bit more and I'll put this in, in my post about this too. Uh, so I, I was curious, you know, if this is going on, can we come up with some formula that predicts um, the amount of sand that's in the top and in the bottom when it when it wants to float up? You know, because when we looked at it, I think last time we said there's roughly it was like 75, 25 or something. We said when it was 25 percent empty. Yeah. The, when the top is 25 percent empty. Is that I thought it, I thought it was. When 25% of the sand has fallen into the bottom yes, yes. hourglass, then it started to float right, up. Right, yeah. And yeah, so yeah. I wrote out an equation that kind of just said, let's track the center of mass as the sand is falling, right? Because that's the thing that's that's changing and that's what's applying this uh, torque. And so uh, I looked, okay, when does the center of mass hit the center of the hourglass, you know, that um, where all the sand is falling through? And at that point, you know, the, the net torque is zero. So it's going to want to float or after beyond that point, it's going to correct itself. So when I did that, I ended up, and I think it was roughly 76%. It's, um, the level of the sand was 76% of its original level or 25% of it has, has gone down. Right. So I think that's, that was a fair, you know, yeah, like, and we were, we were just eyeballing that like about a quarter of the sand had fallen down and then the calculation came out to pretty much exactly that, yeah. which is pretty cool. Yeah, and I, I just did it by, you know, the 25% isn't by like mass. It's by, you know, if you look at the height of it, it looks like, you know, the height of, of the lower one is 25% of the original height. Right, right. And yeah, and that's what it kind of worked out to. So that was kind of cool. Cool. So what's up for this episode? We're going to answer uh, Reddit users' standby for rant question. Um, <laughs> he posted on uh, Ask Science. Uh, what percent of my weight am I actually lifting when I do a push-up? Ah, okay. So w- what I'm thinking is it depends <laughs> on a few things. Like imagine doing, I don't know what it's called, a vertical a vertical push-up or like, a, I don't know what that's called when you're up against a wall, like a head, a handstand basically, and right. then do a push-up like okay. that 
is a hundred percent of your weight, right? Like that's got to be the hardest situation. Yeah, that's like Goku level pushups. <laughs> and then imagine standing with your feet on the floor up against a wall and pushing. Like that's not really a pushup at all. It's zero percent of your weight. Like yeah, you have to extend, you know, exert a force to accelerate your body away from the wall, but you're not pushing against gravity, right? So we got like this this continuum of amount of force required to work against gravity if that's what we're saying is what percentage are we lifting and then if we go to what i'm guessing this person's expecting is is your feet and your hands are at the same level like a normal push-up on the floor so and the reason i wanted to say that is because i think it'd be important to be like oh if it ends up that like short people don't lift as much weight as heavy people or as 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 tall people or or light people are just light and so they're doing less work than someone that's a heavy person you can affect this by adjusting the angle that's why i wanted to say that from the start so <laughs> yeah yeah so um, the, you know there's a whole you, the max you can do is your own weight right and the minimum you can do is nothing right so yeah. So don't worry if you're like, oh, I'm a short, very lightweight person. I'm never going to be bulky from doing push-ups. You can you can change the angle and affect how much you're actually lifting. I think, or you could just have somebody sit on your back. But yeah. <laughs> so let's go with the like standard. How much am I lifting if my feet are on the floor and my hands are on the same level? And I'm starting from like a horizontal position and then push up how much weight am I lifting? Um, and I, Ooh, so I haven't thought that <laughs> I haven't thought about the answer. I only went to those limits of the angle okay. dependence. Well, well it's, it's not, it's not 100% of your weight. We can agree that that's true because your feet are holding up some of your weight, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the question is asking if you flipped on your back and then held a weight over your, over your chest and pushed it up like a bench press, what weight would it be equivalent of a push-up, right? Is that essentially the question? Yeah, I think that's a that's a fair way to put it. Yeah, you know, yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna you know do the inverse, you have to lift weights now inside of your body. Yeah, what? How much? You know, would it be to mimic a push-up? Copy right. it. Right. So let's let's go with let's say you're only supported by your toes and your palms of your hand like those are the like i know it's four but let's say it's the two supports that are holding up your entire body weight and i let's if if you were completely symmetrical meaning like your weight was evenly distributed across your entire length of your body then each would be holding up half your weight right your your hands and your legs right and then if you did a push-up from there would it be the equivalent to lifting half your body weight that's my quick and dirty reasoning like just super simplifying we'll get to like distribution of weight of your body probably in a bit but just if you're uniformly distributed and you lift it up yeah, with so, the front support you're so lifting me, up half the weight right let me let me see if i can kind of give a different version of what you're saying like imagine i, I think this is kind of saying like okay imagine you were a, a dog right? You're on a a dog. Oh, a dog. Yeah. You're on all fours. Uh, you know, and I feel like a dog is a little bit more, you can imagine it being a little bit more evenly distributed in you and Uh you go down and come back up. Is that, that that's then, you know, uh, hat or that, okay. That would be your full weight, I guess. Right. If you were squatting as a dog, but then if you were just to go down with your front legs and come back up, 
Is that half now? I mean, I, I think roughly, yes, but there's going to be slight variations because it's not just vertically up and down, right? Like you're, it's kind of like you're, you're, you're also shifting forward and backwards slightly, right? Uh-huh. I don't know how precise we want to be. Like <laughs> my answer is half to start with, but then it's more fine grained than that because yeah, people have more weight on the top half of the body maybe than the bottom half. But if, yeah. Well, and then I, I so, think there is a slight shift like forward and backwards. Like if you had like inspector gadget arms, like go, go gadget arms and you went really like extended them very far then your weight is now more on your feet than it was before. So your hands, like every inch you lift when your arms are very long is is less of a push-up, more getting into standing vertically against the wall. Right, right. yeah. So like I wanted to say that like half is a, is a decent starting place, but it, it it can't be the right answer because like you started off saying, you know, there's a a range from your full body weight to nothing. And the only right. thing that's changing between those two is, is your angle. Right. Not, you know, you're not getting lighter. Um, so when you're, your explanation of, of it just being half, we, we haven't begun to take into consideration the angle of it. Right. So rough numbers, it's half. And then as you push upward, it gets a little bit less than half. Assuming every, assuming you're uniformly distributed, like your, your mass throughout your body is that good so far okay wait so it's half and then what sorry it, it goes it decreases from there as you do the push-up you're you're lifting less weight because you're approaching the standing up against the wall situation which is the okay, zero right. weight. so we're sorry we're so that's starting starting from from the down position we need to look so, yes. so we have the starting, down starting the from down starting okay. from you know you're your weight is supported by your palms and your feet and but you're down and then you start the push up and you're 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 lifting half your weight but then it kind of starts to decrease as your arms get longer and longer so i think yeah i think especially when you're in the down position i think you know half is a pretty good answer especially if it's the case that your your body is completely horizontal in that position right right Yep. So half okay. and then a little bit less than half. So <laughs> if you wanted to do a bench press, you know, take half your weight and then maybe, I don't know, take off a kilogram or something. It's not going to be that much different, right? The angle is pretty small. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we could kind of figure it out if you model yourself just as a triangle and you look at, you know, vectors, your, your decomposition of your forces. <laughs> yeah. But then I think I'm probably, probably a more like a, probably a greater effect than the angle that you're making with the floor and how that affects how much weight you're lifting is your distribution of mass. So that's up to you to figure out, are you more top heavy or are you more bottom heavy? Like do you have like big, broad, bulky shoulders or do you have like huge, massive legs because you're a cyclist and you never lift like weights at all with your <laughs> arms? <laughs> so, that, you know, that's that's on you to figure out how you want to adjust that. So you can, it's a sliding scale, whichever right. way you want to go. Well, I think for most people, their center of mass is roughly around their belly button. And is that, that's above the halfway point of their height right for me it is i measured <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's true for most everyone when would that not be true someone would have really short legs yeah oh so now yes so someone with short legs you would be 
Would you be lifting less than half your weight or more? Well, if you have really short legs, so okay, I think we're we're kind of saying <laughs> in the down position, it's always half if you're horizontal, your body's horizontal. Right. Okay. So but then uh if you have short legs as your arms go up, <clears throat> your angle's gonna be steeper. Oh right, right. So uh, it gets even weaker. Like it's it's less of a force to do the push up if you have short legs. Yeah. Can we as Okay. Yeah. Sorry. As you increase the angle. Yeah. I was going to say, can we really quickly uh, figure out, okay, what what's the the relationship if it goes when you're standing straight up mm-hmm. um, or like kind of like you were saying, uh, as your go-go gadget arms get really, really long, more of your weight goes on your feet. Then as you go flat, uh, it goes to two so is that like that's a like a tan arc tangent well let's define our angle i think the angle is between the floor and your body right so when you're horizontal the angle is zero yes okay is that right and so that's the maximum so it's like a cosine i think and then when it's 90 degrees like you're standing up vertically feet on the floor it's um zero oh no it's something there's like a half angle because when you're so it goes from if the angle is 90 degrees, the force is zero, right? right. Uh-huh. If the angle is zero degrees, the force is half your weight. And if the angle is negative 90 degrees, which is the handstand situation, your force is 100% of your weight, right? So that's like negative 90 is a force of one times your weight. Zero is a, is a force of a half of your weight. And then 90 is a force of... Uh, zero. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So what 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 function does that? Well, yeah, I, th- I think you were right with some sort of cosine, right? Well, because okay, I think it's negative sine theta over two. No, does that make sense? Or negative? I have pencil and paper. Um, well, we have to have some sort of phase shift, right? Oh, negative. Nope, that doesn't no, that no, it's it's going to be like a half or a double angle or something like that. Well, because. For any cosine, when you're at zero, you're at the cosine's peak. And for sine, when you're at zero, you're at zero for any sine. So there's got to be some sort of shift in the plot, right? So such that when you're at zero, you're halfway. Okay. I mean, that, that, that'd that be... I mean, because it's... I see what you're saying. Yeah. But then, yeah. Okay, wait. But then... You, then <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, the whole function is a little bit... We don't have to get get into it i just kind of wanted to get the general relation I mean, is it a is it a torque thing that we have to worry about i don't know yeah i know i'd have to sit down and and look at it more to, to you know for next week i guess uh, <laughs> okay but let, let's go back so what were we saying before this uh i think we we're going over the range of values that it could it could take mm-hmm. okay so if you're i mean i could go back and listen um but if you're I think we're we're talking about someone with short legs and oh, right. what happens to them. Right. Yeah. So someone with short legs, as they do the push up, they're lifting more of or um, they're lifting less of their body weight as the push up goes on. Like right. it, it starts off with half, just like everyone starts off with half, but then as they do the push up, they're going to be lifting less weight. Like yeah. by the end of the push up, it's less weight. Yeah, because their their angle uh, their angle is steeper because of right. their their 
their shorter legs. So what they would have to do if they wanted to do a bench press equivalent would be hold a bucket of water with a hole in it and everyone's has a hole in it. And as they do the push up, water is draining out or as they do the bench press, the water is draining out of the bucket because <laughs> they're lifting less weight as they extend their arms. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. But they're, the, a shorter person's hole is bigger. Yeah. That's a good way. Good way to put it. Yeah. And it always starts at half their body weight. Uh-huh. And now you got to Got to uh, change change because it's changing. So it's like, yeah, how right. much is it changing? Okay. What right. about just like a tall person versus a, a short person? I, I guess, does that matter? So let's say like your your arm to height ratio is the same for both of these people. Oh, because your length of your arms? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> are, are you similar triangles with a short person? Yeah. So if, if you are similar triangles with a short person, yeah. it should be the same for it's both the, of them, right? I mean, like yeah. th- their mass is different, so that's different, but... Uh, but percentage wise of their weight, it should be the same. It's yeah. the same push up, like variation across the entire push up. Yep. So, really, it's it's only when someone has really long arms or like really short legs or long legs, like, you know, if you're disproportionate in some right, way. Right, right. A gorilla <laughs> doing a push up is going to have a much different change in weight throughout the entire push up than a, a normal person would. Yeah. So, like, if, if you're a normal person, uh, I feel like the way you do a push-up, at least, I don't know, okay, I shouldn't say it that way. The way I do a push-up, whether I'm normal or not, that's <laughs> a different story, is, you know, I start in the up position, and then I go I go down. Oh, I see. And then back up. That's funny. I, when I think of doing a push-up, I, I start low, and then start, like, pushing. <laughs> so, for me, though, well, so I think your, your way might be better, because if I am... At, at my height, you know, like I'm lifting whatever percentage of my, my weight and then I go down. If I go, if I don't go all the way down and then back up over that whole time, I'm doing less, less of a push up, you know, unless I go down to level yeah, zero degrees. Right. You're staying, you're staying at the extended arm. You're staying close to the extended arm region of the push up more. Yeah. Because you never you never touch the bottom, which is the the full most amount of weight you could be lifting during your push up at the bottom. Right. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, about, go ahead. That's kind of presuming, and I don't know if if people do this or not. I definitely don't. That you could lower your body such that your uh, the height of the the you know the, from the ground to your chest is like the the height of your feet. Right, that would put you at oh. zero degrees. Ground to chest is like the length of your foot. Yeah, the like from toe to shin. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. Assuming we're a flat board from our shin to the to our chest, which I don't know, my knee kind of sticks out a little bit. Right, my right, thigh yeah. is a little thicker than I mean, my shin. <laughs> being rough with it. So, but yeah. like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I definitely can't go that low. Oh, huh. I don't know. Well, maybe I'm just, I can't lift half my weight. That's the issue. (laughs) Yeah. So how about push-ups on your knees? What changes? Right. Okay. Well, I think that's essentially the short person limit, right? Or not the short person, the short legged person limit, right? It's, yeah, I've now shortened my, uh, my length. Right. But how would you like, okay, I weigh 150 pounds and I want to do a knee push-up. What's, how do I know? how much I'm lifting in that case. 
would you chop off it? I mean, would you figuratively chop off your legs at your knee? And then you say, okay, I'm lifting half the weight minus, you know, take my weight, subtract off the bottom half of my legs and my feet. And then you're lifting half that. Uh, I think in theory, I think so. Uh, but but additionally, though, uh, in like a, a more realistic perspective, you're also not going to be able to get down to the zero point, really, unless you're like lying on the ground, in oh, which right. case the ground is supporting you. Right. So you're, you're overall you're doing you never get you you won't ever get down to the halfway point. Yeah. Does it make it easier on your knees? Like do your the fact that you have your legs sticking out over like past your knees on the other side like the lower part of your legs are the are they helping you like imagine like a, a seesaw or something like that like the weight on the other side of the pivot point is that assisting your push-up at all i think it depends right i think if if you have your legs in the air mm-hmm. they're going to provide some counter torque which would help you yeah but it also depends on on how like the angle between that your knee is making right? right if it's if it's straight if your knee is straight above your uh vertically above sorry your foot is vertically above your knee mm-hmm. it shouldn't do anything if right. it stays that position the whole throughout your push-up right because uh, the the force is directly above the pivot no torque um, yeah, i guess this gets into like anatomy which like how does your how does your calf muscle connect to your, the back of your knee like i don't i don't really know if there's any leverage that it's assisting in lifting the front half of your body if you're pivoting at your knee during a push-up yeah i think the only thing that it could add is 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 some sort of of counter because you're not pulling on any maybe if you had like a i don't know if, if your legs were tied to something yeah, yeah. um you, right. you could provide some sort of counter, even more torque than just their mass through your calf muscles. Right. But because that's not, you know, because they're just floating there, essentially, they can't, the muscle itself can't add anything. There's right. nothing for it to pull against. Yeah. So I think the bottom line is you're lifting half your weight and like close to half your weight, depending on how your mass is distributed. And then as you do the push up, the weight that you're lifting slightly decreases depending on your arm to like body length ratio it could decrease more if your arms are really long compared to the rest of your body or if you have short legs or just a short body it decreases much more but then going back to like the vertical push-up lifting your entire body weight if you wanted to lift more weight during your push-up lift your legs higher and higher so that you're getting into the, the more and more weight approaching your full body weight yeah, you want to change the angle to be as small as possible between you and the floor. Well, even going negative, I'm saying like lift your feet up like above your hips and then do the push up from right. there. Right, which would still be as small as possible, right? <laughs> I the magnitude is greater, but it's more negative. Yeah. The smaller, yeah, the smaller that angle, the more weight you're going to lift. Got it. Yeah, so if you if you are interested, I sent you a Google Doc uh, uh-huh. or a Google Sheet. Opening that, now that has um so i have access to it's called a force plate uh it's just a uh high tech scale that will plot as a function of time the force that's on the scale so i started uh you're in okay uh if you click on the force standing tab um oh i see uh-huh. see that's just me standing on this plate yeah i'm, I'm roughly 
a thousand newtons. Uh-huh. Please don't calculate that weight. <laughs> just <laughs> let's leave it at a thousand newtons. You don't know what that means. That's nice. That is such a round number because yeah, you are just smack on one thousand newtons. <laughs> yeah, and um, then so okay, so that that's my starting. Then if you go to force push-up... It's funny, you could say like, with the force of a thousand newtons, it sounds super fancy and yeah. scary. But. <laughs> so, one one Zach. Yeah. Um, newton is only a thousandth of you. A, mili- a millizach is a newton. <laughs> there, there's actually a unit, uh, I learned this from Wolfram Alpha, called a Zach. Um, oh, yeah. That uh, is uh, one-tenth of a cubic meter, I believe. Huh. Yeah, so... To these plots, and we'll post these plots in case you want to see what it's like when you do a push-up. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so if you go to force push-up now, yeah, you go to the next sheet, you'll see uh, me doing some push-ups. So let's see. Can I you... see three, like, three horizontal regions, like kind of plateaus of the data. Is that what I should be looking at? Yep. Yeah. So what I did is I, I went up or I started, well, I started in, maybe you could tell me, but I started in A position, held it uh-huh. for five seconds, moved to the opposite, and then went back to the other one, holding each one for five seconds. So based on what we were saying, the less weight situation is when your arms are extended. So it looks like you started with your arms extended and then you dropped your arms and then you increased your arms again to be an extended but and then you also kind of said that earlier <laughs> you explaining right. the way you do push-ups but yeah. based so, on the data it starts low and then it goes to a plateau that's higher and then it drops to the, a low plateau again like a, a plateau around 550 and then a plateau around 650 and then a plateau around 600 yeah so uh this is yeah so i when i started out yeah i started out you know up yeah and it's it's about 575 ish yeah okay right so yeah over 550 but not, not 600 so okay but my question then is is what is so we're really that's actually a bigger difference than i thought it would be from like a, a let's say five let's say 575 to 650 uh-huh. what percentage of change is that that's that's not that's not nothing. I thought it would be a lot smaller effect, like the difference between the bottom and the top of your push-up. 650 minus 575. Oh, gosh. That's 75 newtons. Divide. A percentage of 575, let's say. 13%. Huh. Yeah. So it's a difference for me of, of 17 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely more than I thought it would be. But I have a, I have a quick question for you, though. Yeah. Because I think something something's amiss here somewhere that I'm, I'm wondering about mm-hmm. is okay we said we said it should when you're flat it should be half your weight is that that that's the yeah assuming your mass is distributed evenly across right. yeah okay so but what's what's going on here because when i'm flat well i'm not okay i'm not flat i'm six Pretty close yeah 50 okay but but i'm i'm never this is all more than half of my weight, the whole thing. Yeah. Right. When I'm, when I'm up in my position, so half my weight's 500, but right. it's about 575 in my up position. Right. We expected when you're in your down position for it to be half and it's 650. I think that just means that you have a lot more weight like above, like your hands are supporting more weight than your feet by like kind of a lot. Yeah, so your so, feet are only supporting if the, if your hands are supporting six fifty, your feet are only supporting three fifty. Right. So my my mass, yeah, is not evenly distributed. 
And we're, we're also, I mean, we haven't said anything about the head, like our, our, our head. We can watch Jerry Maguire and see how much a human head weighs. It's not nothing. And it's, <laughs> it's all like beyond your hands, right? Shoulders, you know, yeah. assuming your, your hands are at your shoulders. Yeah. That's something we haven't talked about is what if you moved your hands above your head and did a push up? Is that impossible? <laughs> I don't know if your muscles would let you do that. Yeah. Or like if you move them like a little bit forward or a little bit backward, is that an easier or harder push up? I, I mean, now we're getting into like the physiology of like what are, what your body can do, which <laughs> I don't know if you can do that. Cause we haven't said anything about like hands together versus hands, you know, separated a lot versus directly under your shoulders, which I think is like a standard push-up. It's kind of what I've been going with. It's like a standard push-up with hands under your shoulders. That's it. Right. Yeah. That's what I, I tried to do as best I could here. Yeah. So even even if your body was evenly distributed its mass, the fact that your forward part, like the the the, the part that's doing the pushing on your like basically your hands are automatically holding up more, even if you're evenly distributed, because you have your head above your hands right like your hands aren't at the very top of your body right yeah so no, no matter what there there's always yeah it'd be like yeah evenly distributed below some point and then just like like imagine okay imagine you don't have a you don't have a head right you're so you are like evenly distributed somehow um right. it'd be like taking like a little little bucket and putting it on top above your shoulders kind of that's kind of like what we're imagining right your head is always adding some little bit that that's mainly going to be incorporated in your hands right right exactly so you're you're wondering why it's so much more than half your body weight the 650 yeah so i yeah i think I, it's partially your head and then partially i think just human bodies are not evenly distributed right well so here's here's what my my original thought was so I'm uh I'm two meters tall, almost to the T. I got like nice round numbers. To my, yeah, to my body. Meters, two meters tall. You you were meant for the metric system. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and uh, my I measured my belly button to be 125 centimeters off the ground. Okay. So my thought was maybe there's it's some some ratio or of of those sets of numbers that could describe this uh, why it's more. Because if if my mass were directly over, or if my mass center of mass were directly at 100, then I feel like we'd kind of more or less expect, you know, what we're saying. It's like, okay, imagine you have a a, a board hanging from a rope tied at each end, right? Mm-hmm. And you set a big heavy bucket in the middle, mm-hmm. but then you pick it up and you move it closer to one end of the thing. And then you move it closer. You're going to expect that the the rope that you're moving it closer to is going to have more tension in it. It's going to get more taut as you move that bucket closer to it. Right. And it's it's right. it's the other one's going to get a little less. So, you know, if my mass was exactly at 100, it's going to be like the bucket in the middle. It's going to be equal tension on both ropes. But since it's it's closer to my head, I'm going to move the bucket more towards that direction. And so I I, was, I feel like it's going to be some ratio of that and so let's see how is that possible okay i guess it is so when i did that uh i looked at okay so i have 125 centimeters beneath my center of mass roughly if that is my my belly button is what i'm calling it Mm -hmm. 75 above it i would think so the ratio is like 1.6 um 1.7 so that's a little bit 
if you take 500, half my mass and multiply it by that, you can, yeah, we're roughly getting there. It gets to 800. Yeah. 800. Yeah. 800 newton. So yeah, it, you know, if I said, just to say that again, but more succinctly, if I said the center of my mass is my belly button, I have 125 centimeters below it and 75 above it. And I, I'm thinking that the, the force that I'm going to be lifting in my, with my hands is going to be some ratio of, of those two numbers, my, what's above my center of mass and what's below it. So when I did that, I got a ratio of 1.7. Uh, and so if I was doing 500 would be the halfway point times 1.7 is roughly 800. So that might be what's, what's accounting for it then essentially. Or, or there's, you know, I think, and then I think your head would add even more to that. Right. Yeah, I'm working out the the forces real quick. So, so if, if you work it out, I got I got six twenty five, ignoring your head, and the way I did that is just a free body diagram. Your force of your hands up, force of the feet up, your weight down. So, up plus up minus down equals zero. Right. And then set up a torque problem. This is like basic mechanics, <laughs> um, statics problem. Uh, put the pivot point at your hands, and then you have your weight down 75 centimeters from that point. 75 centimeters from your hand should be your full weight, which isn't totally true because your height of your head you know, drops that a little bit less, but it's close enough. And then, um, so that's Wait. one torque. What? Go ahead. Actually, does it though? Because your center... Wherever your center of mass is, that's where you can calculate the, the torque from, right? Well, we don't want to calculate the torque about the center of mass because no, 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 we no. want our weight in the equation. Right. No, I guess, sorry. What I'm saying is if we're considering our, the, we're considering me as a point particle. We're not anymore though. Not if we're doing torques. Okay. Yeah. I'm considering it just like a, a long board. Okay. So you, you have an up force at the pivot point of your hands. I'm calling that a pivot point because what I want is the force from your feet in terms of your weight. And then I can put that back into F equal MA to calculate the force of your hands, which is what the scale is reading, right? Right. Yeah. So 75, uh, 0.75 times your weight is equal to, so that that's one torque the lever arm is 0.75 times the force itself, which is your weight. That's balanced by the force of your feet times its lever arm, which is two meters. So you have 0.75 times your weight is equal to two times the feet force upward, right? Two times yeah. because it's two meters long. Yeah. So you... then your feet force is equal to 0.75 over two times your weight. Good yes. so far? Uh-huh. And then the force of your hand is equal to your weight but then less the contribution from your feet so it's your weight minus 0.75 over 2 0.75 over 2 times mg so 1 minus 0.75 over 2 i got 0.625 times your weight uh now let me give you a slightly updated number so before this podcast i, I made a bunch of measurements of my own body for this okay. very reason <laughs> uh-huh. so if we're doing it about my hands and we're excluding the mass of my head, mm -hmm. then it should be, uh, it's from my toes to my shoulders is 162 centimeters. Okay. So that would be your lever arm instead of two. Right. And then your center of mass is, wait, what was it? 100 and, 160, whoa, 
162? Yep. You have a, a long head. <laughs> yeah, well, that's actually, it's to the middle of my arm, I guess. Uh, so there's a little bit more. Oh, okay. <laughs> if you wanted to round it up to like 167, that's probably more accurate, I guess, at a few more inches. I got 815. Oh, that made it larger? Oh, I did something wrong. I got 772. Oh, that also got larger. Uh, yeah. That would be when I'm flat. Right. So, yeah, I mean, like, when I... So, I also measured the height of my chest when I do a push-up, and I got down to about 30 centimeters. So, that's not quite flat for me. So, I feel like it's a pretty good number. Yeah. Yeah. It's within the air bars. I don't know what the air bars are, but let's say they're that big. <laughs> yeah. Good scientific we... methods of... Uh... <laughs> throwing air bars on after you do the experiment (laughs) can we can we think about this well okay we don't have to talk more about this we don't want uh but the other the other way i was thinking about yeah is if essentially we could model this like a a tension i feel like that's a standard physics problem that every physics student does is is a board hanging from a rope tied at each end right right and uh so the, the center of mass let's just put a bucket at the center. That's exactly what we're talking about when we're flat. And in that case, you know, your intuition really wants to say, and it's right that there's the same tension in each rope. Right. So I feel like, like, you know, that that's just another confirmation of, of that. It's got to, you know, when you're flat, it's got to be half. And then, okay, if you pull one of these ropes up, so, so now the board's at some angle, Mm-hmm. The the thing that's changing the 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 weight is what that the the force now now some component of the force is going to move trying to move the board. So let's say you pull the left one up. So left one is now higher than the right one. Okay. Some component of the force is now trying to push the uh, the board to the to the to the left, right, of the mm. bucket. I mean, I kind of get what you're saying in the, like, if the horizontal axis, you if you put it in line with the board, is that what you mean? Uh, yeah, you can think of it that way too. Yeah. Or, you know, an inclined plane problem, if, if with no friction between the inclined plane and the ground. Yeah, I, I guess. I'm not super comfortable saying that there's a component of the force pushing it to the left, but I kind of get what you're saying. You pulled, you pulled the left string up is that what you said yeah i think all that's happening is that the and we're trying to see if the left string's tension went up also that's what we think would happen no it should go down is that right yeah i mean i think we're saying it'll go down because the maybe this isn't a good model now that i think i'm thinking a little more i about think it. it would go up i think i think by raising the left string it's like we're doing oh we said it would go down the way it would go down as you do the push-up yeah i think i think we're kind of like flipping things too much now because imagine the extreme of the board being completely vertical the Uh right string you could cut it and it wouldn't do anything right or is it holding up maybe it's still holding up half the weight (laughs) i don't know yeah yeah i went to that extreme too and i realized like there's some weird stuff happening there so i don't know exactly how that would yeah, maybe that's not a good, <laughs> good model. Yeah, it, it's good for the torque, like the the center of mass 
description, but I don't think it's good for the full push-up. Right. I had a couple of other places we could take this if you want, uh, if you're not looking to wrap up right away. I'm not. I'm I'm still trying to figure out the formula, <laughs> the trig formula for what gives us what we want. Oh, okay. So we want something that gives us one half when it's zero degrees. It gives us zero when it's 90 degrees. And it gives us one when it's negative 90 degrees. When we're calling the angle being the angle that we make with the ground um, while doing our push-up. So right. it's a completely horizontal. You're lifting half your weight, um, uh, standing up completely. So I call that 90 degrees. Like your feet are the pivot point. Standing yeah. up, you're lifting zero of your weight with your push-up on your hands is doing zero amount of lifting. And then negative 90 degrees is the inverted, like the, the handstand push-up. Wait, sorry. Okay, when it's when it's positive 90, it's zero. Is that what you're right. saying? Okay, that's right. right. Damn it. I thought I had it for a second. <laughs> Minus sine x plus a half is almost <laughs> almost there. I think I I think I got it. Okay. And it's got to work out to something. Like there's got to be trig identities galore in here, but this does work. <laughs> you ready? Uh yeah, yeah. Do you want it or do you want to try and figure it out yourself? I, well, I'm, I'm about to mathematically do it, but if you spit it at me. Sine squared. Did you have a sine squared? I, I'm not there yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sine squared of negative 2 theta plus 90. Negative 2 theta. Okay, so that plus 90 is not times by negative 2? That's right. Uh, I'm going to plot it just for the heck of it. Minus 2x plus... Oh, sine squared. Okay, there we go. And it could like, be, you know, sine squared of 2 theta minus 90. Maybe that works also. I think it does. Um, well, it'll give you the same thing. But the, the way I came about it was to get it in that form. But I think mathematically it would work. But it doesn't go to... That doesn't go to 1 when you're at negative 90. It doesn't? Negative 90 times negative 2 is positive 180. Plus pi over 2, or plus 90. Oh, so that would be plus 270. Which is 0. No, it's not. No, that that works. Sine of 270 is negative 1, and then squared is positive 1. Oh, the y component. Okay. What am I looking at? Oh, okay, wait, wait. Is that where the problem is? Okay, I, I just plotted it. I'm trying to look at it. So, okay, when it's 0... When theta is 0? Yeah, you get 1. Hmm... When theta is zero. Oh, yeah, that's right. Damn it. How did I do that wrong? Oh, I see what I did. I <laughs> I did the inverse of what I wanted to do. So it's, ready? Uh-huh. Sine squared of 45 minus theta over two. Uh, uh, minus theta over two? Yeah. And the over two doesn't go, It's it's only under theta, not... 45 minus theta. I think that works. Oh, uh-huh. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to uh, be getting there in... It's not as, it's not as intuitive as I would have hoped. But I, I, I see we're, what we're going to get at is a function that we could figure out if I wanted to lift X amount of weight, what angle should I put my feet at? <laughs> that one is doing... This is negative. So uh, what I'm trying to do is take that that problem that you did the like bridge problem, the bridge problem, the the 
Yeah, when I'm supported by, ooh, I just hurt my feet and my hands, and I'm horizontal, and my center of mass is not centered. Not in the middle. Yeah. So I'm doing that, except I'm putting it up at an angle. Ooh, that's that's tough without it being exactly a half. That function doesn't work with without your center of mass being in the middle. Which function? The one I just told you, sine squared stuff. Oh. Yeah. So I, I came at it initially. I came at it just from, just from thinking about the the limits of being zero, a half, and one in the different positions. But I could do it in like the general case. Oh, I did something wrong. That's interesting. I don't like that. Did things cancel? Yeah. Okay. I think we did the same problem. <laughs> I got something that doesn't depend on the angle, which is not good. Yeah, that's what I got too. I, I had two cosine squared terms and they went away. <laughs> See I don't understand what the hell's happening. <laughs> oh, got it. Yeah, it looks like you and I are doing the same thing, but why, why do you have cosine squareds? Because I did. So the. What's I? Where's an I? The far left. I the, equals. Oh, tau. Oh, tau. Tau equals. Got it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we did the exact same thing, but cos- I had cosine, not cosine squareds. Because I but. did uh, the the component that's perpendicular to my body is NH cosine theta uh-huh. times R times the sine of the angle between that or between oh you you double counted the like either either it's the full force and the full lever arm. Right. Times the sine of the angle, or it's the perpendicular component. Right. But then it's I not times realized. the angle yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah. So you and I have the exact same thing ex- without the squares. Right. right. And, and yeah, they disappear, <laughs> which is not good. Right. Which is like, why? Uh, what the heck is, is going on? Does it have something to do with, okay, we both took the force to be, if you follow my picture at the, essentially that would be my shoulder. Where I drew the NH. Yeah. And hand would really be uh, at floor level. <laughs> yeah. I had the exact same thought and I wasn't sure how it, how it fit into this. Well, put your normal force there and some, you're summing torques around NF, I'm guessing, around the, your foot. No, I did it around the hand because I was trying to use the some of the forces to get the force on the in the hand. I see what you're doing though. You tried to get, I guess that would work too. Oh, I did the the foot because then the that component cancels away, and I only have the hand left in the right. So lever arm was zero. Well, good to know. We did it two different ways. Can't yeah, I did it the way I did it because of what I tried earlier. I did something else before that did it that way. So I just tried to modify that equation. So this distance here is really. I think I, I think that's it, Derek. I think as soon as you you drop it down to the floor, mm-hmm. then you get another component. Um, cause the, the lever arm, if I look at my, if you're doing it between the oh. foot is now R cosine theta instead of, no, but we're going to be double counting again. No, that's, I don't, I don't think that's it. No, wait, no. Why would that be double counting? Oh, cause the, the force then is, I think you're going to end up with the same thing. Oh, I think you're right. Yeah. Cause the, the force now is already in itself perpendicular right. to you just you took to a lever perpendicular arm. component of the lever arm rather than the perpendicular component of the force yeah that should give you the same thing either way what are we what are we missing here because it very intuitively you're you're i think the best thing you said was the go go gadget arm thing right right like right 
like super intuitively, it's going to get lighter. You're going to put more weight on your feet. So I think, I think we're getting into like the way the body works now. Because think about it this way. Like go from a push-up and like imagine you had Inspector Gadget arms, stretch them out and start standing up from a push-up. Like what do you what do you do? You shift like you physically shift your weight to your heels, like the back, like towards your feet, right? You're not like you could stand up with extremely long arms and kind of walk like I'd imagine like a some kind of gorilla or like a some ape, right? Right. With really long arms and technically you have really short legs and your arms are really long and you're kind of doing this knuckle dragging thing, supporting yourself on four limbs in this kind of weird upright or at least like a push up kind of position, right? Right. Okay. But but we don't do that. We actually like when we get close, we start to shift our weight back over our feet. So I I think the answer is that our feet aren't point like spikes on the ground like there there's some stability length that allows us to stand upright without using our arms right like it's it's not it's it's a stable equilibrium it's not unstable so there's some kind of like range of tipping that we're allowing ourselves and even like stand up and then bend over and touch your toes like your center of mass still stays over your feet because you like push your butt out right you push your butt behind you and your head goes in front of you but you keep your belly button over your toes like right. within that stable range. So I think if we didn't do that, then what we, you and I are doing with our free body diagrams and torques, if we were actually a rigid board that couldn't like bend at the hips and like kind of shift our weight in, in, in a way that we don't actually mentally even think about, but it just happens. I think, I think we are right that it would do this. But since we're, you know, we've done a stand up and sit down motion and touch our toes and, and everything in between, our body kind of just adjusts subconsciously almost. Like we kind of just automatically move our center of mass over our feet and don't use our hands. Like imagine, imagine if we had skis, like really long skis. Okay. All right. You could lean forward really far without touching the ground with your hands. Right. You can Michael Jackson it up. Yeah, exactly. So I, th- I think maybe that's where we're getting... Okay, up. so it's like there's there's some sort of shift of the center of mass either backwards i think i think it's backwards like towards the feet as we start lifting ourselves up i, I don't know i'm not super happy with that answer but so okay so we're saying because because when we did this little model our angle calculation fell out that you're saying you know what it ends up with being is it's what's important is the ratio of your body length and your center of mass so you're saying because we 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 based on my data we still know for sure that it's changing that it's got to be then our uh body center of mass to that that shifting so our body length isn't changing right yeah something like that i i don't know i'm not but what this means though is that as you do a push-up the force shouldn't be different between the lower and the upper portion of the push-up which is what on the scale you saw that that definitely changes by quite a bit by like you know 15%, 20% 15%, 20% almost. Right. Well, yeah. So it's got to be your center of mass that's being shifted somehow. Is it because the distance, like imagine you were on maybe not skis, but something kind of longer, like clown shoes, and you do a push up and you're like, your heel pushes back behind your toes as you pivot around your toes? It doesn't seem like it would affect that much. I'm still, go back to your your original, you know, where we started. You have the center mass. You're doing a, one of the handstand push-ups, mm-hmm. and your your center mass is above your your hands now. Right. 
and then then you you walk out away from the the uh the wall a little bit with your hands with your hands yeah you're you're intuitively you're gonna be doing less of a push-up or like there's gonna be less weight right now but we're saying the angle doesn't matter yeah was i but uh, yeah i don't know <laughs> yeah I, I think i'm gonna have to like think about it more so, yeah so I, I feel like th- i'm surprised that something. the angle just dropped out <laughs> i don't i don't really get why it did right because just because of your your initial thing we know that that okay if it was all right if it was totally based on the ratio of your body to center of mass right is that that's what you ended up giving me or saying okay what was your final equation for the the your normal to the hands like if you were just holding yourself up horizontally or or the one that you just derived oh with the sine squared no, 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 from your free body diagram there that you said where we both got the same thing with the cosines. Oh, um, I didn't work it out completely because I saw the angles dropped out and I was like, well, I don't know. I'm stopping. Well, but okay. But once the angles drop out, isn't it? Oh, what is it then? There, there's only, yeah, there's only one couple other things, right? That's left. Yeah. What I'm getting, and this could be wrong, so I just want to verify, is that it's your your weight times your center of mass over your total body length. Your weight times center of mass over your total body length. Yeah, I got the same thing. Okay. That would mean then... So, so some, We're missing something because that would mean when you're standing up and it's zero, your center of mass is on the floor. Or when you're vertical and it's you know standing on your hands and it's one, your center of mass is at your feet. Right. That's not happening. No. I'm wondering if it has to do with our our foot that you know you and I both said okay we're at some pivot point there at the at the bottom uh, but I'm wondering if for some reason it has to do that that you know we're we're not really a triangle we're more like if you cut the tip of a triangle off right yeah Does that... <laughs> some sort of quadrilateral yeah 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 we're quadrilateral yeah, that, but that looks that's like kind of you... what I was saying with the clown shoes like by doing the push up on your toes you're like pivoting around your toes but your heels pushing forward and back right but that's that that's not enough to that's what i was yeah that's what i was saying it's got to be angle dependent somehow we're missing something that's getting rid of the angles there's got to be an angle dependence in here because otherwise i mean a just intuitively it's got to be that b like your your center of mass might move some but it's not moving so much that it's going to put all your weight you know it's not moving to the bot your feet ever, right? So th- that that's th- that says to me it's you know your center mass may move, but it's got to be dependent somehow on the angle. And yeah, if maybe it's from this yeah, like, kind of like yeah, it kind of looks like a gorilla now that I'm looking at it, like you said, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, uh, our, our gorilla lateral? No, that was bad. That was awful. Quadrilla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like at this point we should stop and we can figure it out over the week. Unless you're like really gung ho on no, I I I got the the spark of something, but it's not going to be complete in this recording. I can tell that. Okay, well, yeah, I think this is a good place to stop then because we yeah. we did we did our mission right. We right. said this is what we think. We tried to work it out a little bit, and again, we're stumped. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, in, we did it intuitively and we kind of just like argued through some limits and we came up with what I think is the right solution and that your push-up gets less and less of a force as you go through the push-up from starting at the bottom to increasing the height above the ground. You're pushing less and less of your weight up. Um, roughly a half, probably a little bit more than a half of your weight. And when we sat down to do the free body diagrams and Newton's laws, things fell apart because it became not angle dependent. Right. Yeah. And we like, think we're right on the angle dependence because of your data with the, the force plate that you yeah. showed that when your arms were extended, it's holding up less weight than if your arms are not extended. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, an, it's an empirical fact right. that it's, that it changes when you're from the up position to the down position. Right. Right. Then by like 20%, by like, yeah, I think yeah. it was like 16 or 17%. Like it wasn't, it wasn't nothing. It's like a pretty decent amount of difference. Yeah. And so it, it, it could potentially be that your center of mass is moving for some reason, but it doesn't move that much. No. It doesn't move 20%. Right. So that's, that's not the reason. There, there's got to be an angle dependence. Right. We wanted an angle dependence of the force of the hands that are holding up your body. And going through Newton's laws in our simple model, it failed. The angle dropped out, canceled out. Nothing was angle dependent. So, yeah. We're stuck. We'll stop here. Listeners, try it yourself. Tell us where we went wrong <laughs> and we'll try and figure it out as well. Yeah. Good luck. Happy free body diagrams. 